Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast. Here you will find Dr. Cindy Elliser and Kat McKeever, researchers at Pacific Mammal Research, talking all about marine mammals. We will have a variety of ways to share information with you through discussing research articles and news stories, interviews with other researchers, and more. Join us to learn more about marine mammals and have some fun. Welcome to the next Pac-Man podcast episode. I'm Cindy. And I'm Kat. And today we're going to be talking about a really cool paper uh, that was published in Marine Mammal Science in um, recently, in 2020. And it is called the Blowhole Anomaly in Pantropical Spotted Dolphin, Delphinidae stenella attenuata. And basically, we're going to be talking about weird blowholes. Yeah, pretty much. So this dolphin basically had two blowholes instead of one. And we'll talk is, about why that's weird. Yeah. Very crazy. Because <laughs> some, some marine mammals, some cetaceans have two blowholes. Correct. But not in the same way. <laughs> so there's some stuff to be said. Okay, so um, this one's a little bit shorter. It's just a, a basically like a note, basically saying we saw this. It's very interesting. Um, so we're just going to go over a little background first. So we're talking about the Stenella attenuata, which is a pantropical spotted dolphin. There are five species in the Stenella uh, genus. So we have the pantropical spotted, which are found basically, pantropical means all the way around in tropic waters, gotcha. basically around the world. Um, and then we have the climbing dolphin, we have the striped dolphin, the Atlantic spotted dolphin, which is a Stenella frontalis. That's the species I studied in the Bahamas. So similar to the pantropical, but only found in the Atlantic. And the last one is the spinner dolphin. Which, if any of you have been to Hawaii, for example, you may well have seen those tend to congregate in really large groups and be really, really acrobatic in the air. So Hence, spinner. Right. They like to spin, spin. literally. Yeah. <laughs> and the spotted dolphins uh, have spots. Yep. So there you go. And the go. striped dolphins have stripes. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Except for the climbing. I don't really right. Know. I was going to ask you. I was I like, think, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. It's probably whoever discovered them. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so what we want to talk about to give you context for why this is weird is the <laughs> difference between um, the mysticete or the baleen whales and the odontocete, which are the toothed whales, the differences in their blowholes. Right. So odontocetes, the toothed whales, like all um, dolphins, um, have one blowhole. Right. So that would be one equivalent of our nostrils. Right. One, um, one nostril. One nostril. Mm -hmm. So in um, cetaceans, those are called nares. So the odontocetes have one nair, so one breathing hole, basically. The mysticetes, like Cindy said, they have two nairs. So they have two nostrils, so I guess similar to us in a way. Mm -hmm. um, so they do actually have two blowholes. So, for example, when mysticetes are expelling air, so baleen whales, when they come up to the surface and expel air, the, the shape that their blow makes can be a really unique identifier of that species of whale. And a lot of times that's what, um, for example, whale watchers will use when they're trying to identify a whale from a, a long distance when they're not close enough to see any other details yet. They can tell, oh, that's a humpback or, oh, that's a blue whale because they have really specific shapes that these blows make. And some of that comes from the shape and, and size of the nares um, on their forehead. Right. And so the um, this is their nose, basically. And for cetaceans, the nose is migrated from the front of their face. <laughs> to the top of their head so that they can come up to the surface to breathe without having to take their whole head out of the water. And so as Kat said, the mysticetes, the baleen whales, have those, you know, if you look at the blowhole, it basically has 
two nostrils, right. as if you look like a nose. But when you look at the um, toothed whale, it just has one big hole. Yep. As, as the bullhole. So, so if any of you have seen like a bottlenose dolphin, for right. example, that's a perfect example where it's like one slightly larger hole and, and that's, that's what they breathe through. Mm -hmm. So that's a very brief introduction to uh, blowhole anatomy between the two species. Um, so now we're going to go ahead and go into the paper um, and show you why this is so weird. So these were um, the photos that, that were on, uh, were taken. Uh, it was off the coast of Brazil and it was during a seismic vessel. They were on a seismic vessel, so I don't think it was a marine mammal. I, I think one. they were marine mammal observers on yeah. board a seismic vessel. Right, I believe. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're out there to make sure that when they're doing these seismic things, that um, there's no marine mammals around. So they got these really close-up pictures, and this was in August of 2018, um, of this animal surfacing out of the water, and it was a pan-tropical spotted dolphin, um, and it has. Two blowholes. Literally two blowholes on top of its head. <laughs> and we were just got finished explaining how they should only have one. <laughs> and one nair, right? So it's not even that they have two nairs, like a mysticete whale uh, or baleen whale. They have, it has literally two separate holes. And one is slightly larger than the other right. uh, at the top of their head. And what's interesting, too, is that from the looks of it, from the pictures, because they have a good uh, series where it comes up out of the water, out of the water, then down back under, is that there, the muscles associated with opening and closing the blowhole and, uh, seem to have, be, have for both. Right. Like so they're both, both working. Yeah, so both of these holes seem to be functional. Um, also, just to say up front, this seems to be an adult animal, from what they can tell, and mm -hmm. it, was with another, it was with a pod of dolphins. So it seems like whatever weird mutation <laughs> or anomaly this is... Been okay it's, for him. Right, it's surviving, and it's it's um, still able to live with its cohort in a pod. Right. And so, and as she, uh, Kat noted, it is an, uh, looks like to be an adult, and what's great about spotted dolphins is that they gain spots as they get older, so they're actually born without spots, and then they gain them as they age. So you can actually tell what the age class of an individual is based on how many spots the spotting pattern they have. Which is just so cool. It is very That's cool. so cool. It's one of the... It, you, it's one of the ones that you can do that. You, you can't do that with many other cetaceans. Right. Just be able to look at them and say, oh, that's a yeah, juvenile. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the holy grail, really, for a lot of animals, like being able to just visually know how old mm -hmm. they are. That's so cool. Because a lot of the social structure stuff has to do with age. And if you can't sure. tell that easily, you know, in, for example, bottlenose dolphins, it's usually calves and adults. Right. Um, sometimes you can tell juveniles if you can follow it from when it was a calf. But right. um, you can't just look at them and go... That's a 48-year-old, 4 to 8-year-old. <laughs> um, so these ones, it's two-tone, speckled, mottled, and fused are the age, uh, the, the uh, spot classifications. And this one, um, from my work in the Bahamas with spotted dolphins, definitely looks fused. So it means it is a, a full adult, which is um, probably over 15 years old. Okay, gotcha. So uh, I don't know exactly for pantropicals, but that's Around rough. Then. That, yeah, yeah, that there would be an adult. Got it. Um, so he's doing just fine uh, with his two blowholes. <laughs> Um, and so a little bit about um, some very basic anatomy, again. Right. Just to explain, like, how the blowhole actually works and how it allows these cetaceans to get air versus, like, how do they then swallow, like, all kinds of... So, yeah, we're right. going to leave that to Cindy to explain. <laughs> <laughs> and again, very basically, because I am not a super anatomy person here on the, you know, the, the depths of it. Um, but the... Basically, they have their... Um, this thing called the goose beak, which is like our larynx, 
Um, and so instead of the esophagus and the trachea like kind of meeting up as it does in ours, where we have a little you know the little epiglottis that covers right, the one back of, of your them, throat. Mm-hmm, yeah, covers it so you don't swallow things in your trachea. Um, these are actually two completely different tubes. Um, and so what that allows, um, the, the, these adaptations allow their airways and uh, the adaptations in the airways and the digestive tracts removes the risk of water accidentally entering the respiratory system when they eat something underwater. Which is kind of a huge deal when you live <laughs> underwater. Right. So if you go down, open your mouth and catch a fish, you want to make sure that that doesn't go down the wrong tube. <laughs> right. Right. And we've all had that happen and it's not fun. <laughs> so, um, so that that adaptation is something that's unique for these for these animals, um, but what also happens um, is that the the this goose beak that goes up and connects the blowhole to the trachea um, can actually get dislodged. So if they're swallowing something very big, it can dislodge a little bit and then it pass it can pass through and then hopefully go back. But sometimes it remains dislodged, right? <laughs> which so means you can't breathe. So it's basically it's it's a little bit flexible. So yes. they can they can swallow larger things, but it also then... but it also creates a restriction so right. they can't so there's like a limitation True. on okay. how big they can without it just popping out of place, and Staying then and then right and when it's when it is dislocated then they asphyxiate and they die right because um, their airway is literally cut off at that point right and we do see that it's it's not common but we have seen it in a, a few different species um, of them eating fish or octopus um, that get stuck and dislodges the goose beak and then they can't breathe. Interesting. Yeah. So um, that's basically, you know, so you get the blowhole, it goes down through that goose beak into the trachea and down. Um, so we don't know what the inner workings of this animal are. Like Correct. where where does the goose beak and these two holes line up? You know, are there two different holes? Is it Does it connect to one big one and then goes to the goose beak? You know, all this, these interest stuff, we don't know. Yeah. Um, and they do say that at the end of the paper, they're like, well, it'd be really great if we had an MRI and stuff of this, but <laughs> it was a wild animal, so can't really do that. Right. But so that's the interesting thing is, like, obviously this is a really unusual anomaly, but the inner workings of that anomaly, like, we have no idea. And right. those, those are pretty much be the two options though, right? If that is functional, it would either be two nares that are connecting to the same tube going down to allow right. them to breathe or two separate two tubes, tubes that, that would go down. connect at some point maybe. Which would be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So. We don't know. We don't it's, know. It's interesting and to think about. Probably won't ever know. Probably won't Unless ever there's some other weird one that has two blue holes that ends up dying and stranding ashore. Right. <laughs> right. And most of the time, the animals that die don't strand, and we don't Correct. see what happens to them. So, but again, looks like it's totally fine. Yep, this one seems to be really healthy, and like I said, was, you know, according to the paper and their observation, was move along with all its peers just fine. It seemed mm-hmm. like it was just a regular animal, and they were, you know, they didn't even realize, I think, that they had this weird anomaly until after they'd taken the pictures, I think. I don't know if they, did think, they identify I, it, it? I don't know, it did, they didn't say if they, like, okay. so I think... I think they might have when they're taking the pictures. It, just, it depends on how quick it happened. Right, and, how far Because sometimes you take a picture and you don't realize it. Right. They're like, wait, <laughs> Until what you get back. That? Right. <laughs> I've done that before. I'm like, wow, what's that? Um, but what's interesting is kind of talking about how when you look different, that might actually affect your ability to be in a society or to right. be, um, you know, get mates and things like that. Um, is that sometimes even things that you think wouldn't be a problem actually are. And so a really good example of that is in birds, they used to uh, put bands on their legs uh, and they would be different colors for different times that they 
tag, them and... right, tag the birds. And so basically right. it's, a, it's a form of monitoring the birds. Right. So you'd think, oh, that's a great thing. They're monitoring the birds. It seems fairly non-invasive. You're right. not putting anything into them. It's just this little thing on their leg. Doesn't matter at all. But what they found is actually the colors of the bands actually affected how the other birds were interacting with them. And so some that should have gotten mates that were, you know, healthy enough and fit enough, um, should have gotten mates maybe couldn't because that made them look bad, basically. Right. You know, for anthrop- anthropomorphizing it a bit. <laughs> but, because um, a lot of the things are visual, right? Especially with birds and colors and things yeah. like that. So that small little difference made a big difference in the ability for that animal to survive in the wild. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to think about that, like just how much a mutation or some anomaly, whether it's naturally occurring or whether it's something that we've kind of imposed on that animal for various reasons, that that can completely shift the society right. of those animals in that, you know, in that area potentially. Yeah. So, you know, we dolphins do have very good eyesight. Yeah. Um, and they, they do use visual as well, as well as tactile and vocal, um, cues to communicate with one another. Um, the blowhole, probably not as big of a deal for right. them. And as long as it works fine and the right. animal's healthy, probably it catches enough fish, then right. probably wouldn't be it's anything that would affect that. But virile enough. That there you go. There you go. Hopefully. <laughs> can find mates, whether it's a male individual. or a female. <laughs> and they don't know if it was a male or a female, but the one thing that I was looking at, um, on there is the white tip of the rostrum. And I know in Stenella frontalis, the Atlantic spotted dolphins, that can some um, often indicate that it's a male. They would get white oh, tips. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I don't know if that's the same for pantropicals, um, but, but the, it does have a white tip. So hmm. possibly maybe it's a male. I don't interesting. know. Interesting. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's really, and it looks like the, the blowhole, the second blowhole is roughly about half the size of the, of the first one. Yeah. So the, the first one is in um, the center of his head, where yeah. it usually is, and then the, the smaller one, the anomaly, um, anomalous blowhole, right. um, is just off to the right, just a little bit on the animal's head. Yeah. So he's just got, like, another, like, boop, just like really a little Really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Um, that was, yeah, that's, and, and so they, they do, there's other anomalies that have been found in cetaceans. There has been double-headed dolphins. Yeah. Um, obviously those, or maybe not obviously, but not viable. Yeah. I think there was, yeah, there was, one, wasn't there one mention where like they, they had one head, but they shared a brain? I think, yeah, something like that. And so it's like, obviously that one's going to have, non-viable, kind of like Siamese twins. Yeah, so non-viable have... double-faced dolphins found with two blowholes. So it was separated enough. So right, that one actually separate. probably had two separate he- like basically yeah. heads that had two different blow two different blowholes. Um, but it's I mean it seems like as far as they know this is one of the first instances of a double blowhole on an otherwise visibly healthy, healthy animal. Yeah. With no other anomalous features at all. Yeah. And yeah, there's there's see in all cases an influence of the nasal apparatus configuration may exist for the individual's vocalization. So basically they were saying it looks like they could still echolocate yeah. normally because there's they do use the sound production through the nares and the there's other complicated things down below. <laughs> um, but they are you know they use those air sacs below to to create the echolocation that they send through their melon to um, find food. Yeah. Um, so it seemed like it would be it's fine if if the animal got that old. Yeah, it seems it's like it would be able to, to do that just fine. Yeah, because there wouldn't be other dolphins feeding it <laughs> for right. its entire life. Um, but so yeah. yeah, so it's really uh, quite interesting and really neat to see an anomaly 
in a healthy individual. Yeah. A lot of times, again, we see those weird ones where it's like, oh, it's a two-headed something. That didn't survive. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, that, you know, that is, to kind of sum up, I mean, that is one of the really cool things about doing photo ID work, taking pictures of animals, writing up um, this type of sort of observational mm -hmm. note, um, just to share that kind of, you know, those weird anomalies and mutations that otherwise we wouldn't necessarily be aware of or see in animals. Um, and, you know, that kind of thing can actually, some, sometimes it happens where someone reports that and all of a sudden they get a bunch of emails saying like, oh, hey, well, we've seen that kind of weird thing happen too every mm -hmm. once in a while. Kind of like the, um, the white cast killer whales that we're seeing. Right. Um, you know, that yeah, was... Yeah, there's what, yeah, anomalously white individuals of many different species, but right. we only know about it because somebody posts it and then goes, oh, right. And we see that here too. Right. They're actually taking pictures and monitoring right. those populations, so... Yeah. Yeah. So cool. yeah, and and that's one thing with photo ID too is that we can find out these weird things that happen, um, whether they're injuries from something exactly. humans did or not, or um, even if it's not an anomaly like this, it's just there's some kind of scar or pattern, or whatever. We can then understand what these animals are in danger from. Right. Yep. So there's a lot of a lot of cool things we can we can do with photo ID besides just tracking those individuals yeah. um, and helping them helping them in that way. So yeah, and if you are interested in this paper, mm -hmm. um, it is on marine mammal science. So if you just um, go onto the marine mammal science journal website, you can access this paper, and it was published on May twentieth uh, of May. 20th. Yeah, twentieth of May, twenty twenty. And the um, the DOI number basically you can you sometimes you can search with that and the last five digits are the most important part um, and it's one two seven zero eight. Yeah, and it's fun. It's a nice short little paper, um, mm -hmm. but just cool even, pictures. Yeah, just <laughs> even go on there just to check out the pictures of the dolphin because it's super pretty and it it's just really neat. neat to see. Like I said, just a healthy animal with looking a little different. <laughs> and who knows, maybe down the line, two blowholes is the way to go. Right? Who Never. knows? Watch this we'll space. We'll find out. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. And we'll be back in, uh, next time with another fun topic or paper to talk about. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see you guys then. Bye. This was brought to you by Pacific Mammal Research, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Check out our website, www.pacmam.org, that's P-A-C-M-A-M, to learn more about us, our research, and the educational opportunities that we provide. Also, help us continue providing fun and educational content like this by donating today. Your help is how we can continue to do our work and share it with you. Thanks!